This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Without a healthy mind, being happy is hard. Visit betterhelp.com slash kindoffunny and see if online therapy is for you. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by the Paris Lily. Paris, what's going on? How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, Greg, Death's Door. See, I said it twice. No, I can't send him another $5. It's one <laughs> payment of $5. That's all we're doing. <laughs> Added to the tally, of course, that voice and that body, that smiling face taking over for Gary Witta this week is our producer on the ones and twos, Mr. Barrett Courtney. What's going on, Barrett? Welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for having me on the uh, show officially. You know, I, I know I chime in uh, probably a little too much uh, on the ones and twos, but it's just because I love talking video games with y'all. Mike, Paris, it finally happened. I had tried to hold off for so long. Being the producer of an Xbox show, you know, it, it, it felt blasphemy to not have an Xbox. I know a lot of people out there felt that way. Here we go. The Xbox Series S, all in its full glory nice. here in my house. Already uh, did the initial setup. I told Paris uh, right before we started recording. The first thing I did with it was download Skate 3. Uh, because whenever Paris talks about Game Pass and uh, would ever bring up his, uh, his kids uh, playing Skate 3, I'm like, oh, man. I just I want to go back to those days. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Especially with the, the tease of Skate 4 this week. I was like, man, I, I really need some Skate 3 in my life. So got some things downloaded there. Downloaded uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, Mikey, for when we uh, hit those in our Metal Gear Solid uh, playthrough, uh, series playthrough. And I'm just excited to, to mess around with it and be back in the Xbox ecosystem. The last time I owned an Xbox was... I want to say 2015 was when I sold my 360. And the only reason I kept it on for that long was because uh, at the time, that was like the only place I could really play uh, the last-gen Batman Arkham games. And, you know, I love that series. It's my favorite series, uh, video game series of all time. And I love playing it all the time. And I eventually I was like, all right, I've got to let these games go. They're in the past. I'm going to sell this console. And, of course, the following year, uh, they remastered them. So life told me, no, you're going to play these games forever and at least uh, once a year. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back into the, into the ecosystem and, and check everything out, even just uh, the couple minutes that I spend going into, like, the backwards compatibility stuff. I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. I'm so excited to, to check out a bunch of games. And, like, it, it was hard to, like, stop myself to get ready for this show because I was just like, I just want to download everything right now it's ridiculous <laughs> it is awesome 368 days if my calculation are correct that it took you to finally jump in and get the console that is one year and three days after our official one year anniversary of the podcast baird host uh, producing all of it and that's how long it finally took the break so baird i'm so happy that you got your hands on the console you get to play around with it and it's funny, you know, you bring up Skate 3 and the best is me and Paris always talk about skate, skate with his kids, me playing skate with my friends. And I love that you're jumping into it. But for me, it's like now you're like a kid at Christmas, right? You get to turn on the console. You get to run through the UI once again, right? You get familiarized with it. You get to jump into that catalog, especially now because you've been playing most of your Xbox games via the Game Pass PC app. So now it's going to be really exciting. You're in the full ecosystem now with the 
cloud gaming, the PC, and the console at home. So this is really exciting, Baird, and I'm so happy for you. I, I, I'm I'm so excited to to mess around with it, and like, yeah, it's been. Even just like the, the scratching a little bit of that itch of like having Game Pass Ultimate to be able to download stuff on PC, it was just like one of those things. Like, man, but I know that Game Pass uh, console library is so much cooler, and it like has a lot of uh, has a lot of things that speak to me. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, y'all. The cool um, thing that you're gonna discover is because I do this a lot. I primarily play on PC, mm-hmm. so you know if I engage with an Xbox game, it you know is through the Xbox app. But then if I want to go out in the family room or something or, or where the kids play, I can just hop on there. Save just comes right over. I keep on going. So that, that was the question yeah. I had because I was like, I'm replaying yeah. Dishonored 2. Uh, I'm replaying Wolfenstein 2 and stuff like that. And that was like the question of like, all right, I've been playing them on PC. If I just feel like booting up the uh, the Xbox and giving my PC a break, like, can I just do that? And, and yes, that's even more exciting. So holy crap, Paris, you're blowing my mind. Now, not everything does. Like as an example, because I think I've talked about it on here, like Fallout 76 doesn't work that way but you know obviously mm. that's a legacy game so so they never patched it minecraft uh dungeons they actually just recently fixed so Ooh. you can do that now with minecraft dungeons where you can kind of port it back and forth um, but a game like gears 5 as an example it's seamless yeah mm. you can start on the console stop jump on the pc continue where you left off see of thieves is another one as an example and obviously all the new games that they're coming out with now um supported as well so yeah it's really you know just quality of life features really cool and that's the other that you bring up uh like gears and like kind of the just thinking about like the the mainstays for for xbox like i i started a, a halo replay uh earlier this year and i haven't gone back uh but the exciting thing now is now I have access to Halo 5, right? That was the one that wasn't yep. on PC. Yep. So yep. on if console. I want to get fully caught up for for uh, Halo Infinite, now I can, which is uh, which is really exciting. But the one thing is, like, uh, going back to Halo 1, it's like, oh, man, like, yeah, it is a little slow to get into, like, back into the lore and stuff like that. So, like, I'm just wondering, do I just skip to, like, the, the highlights for me, right? Like, Halo 3 and then, like, uh, Halo Reach. Remember Reach? Oh, my God, I love Reach. Uh, and then maybe finally finish 4. Like, I, I'd started 4 and never, like, uh, made it past, like, the first couple hours. So maybe i just uh, go from, like, 3 to 4 and then and try out 5. I, I know 5 was a little bit of a, a pain for you to go back to, Paris. But I, I, I still want to check it out, at least, you know? It's worth checking out. I think I think with <laughs> Infinite coming up, it'll be interesting. Like the fact that you didn't finish four, I definitely say finish four because mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that 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 Master Chief Cortana relationship in four is gonna heavily, you know, relate to the stuff that we're gonna see with them in Infinite. It'll be interesting to see what they bring over from five into Infinite as far as the story goes. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, yeah, if you got the time, definitely check them out. Ooh, Barrett, you're gonna have so much fun. That's awesome to hear. Uh, of course, Paris, a quick check-in with you. How are you doing? What games have you been playing before we jump into a radical show here in a moment? I have been playing Death's Door. That's three. Now I've said Ooh. it three times. Uh, <laughs> no, I've been playing Death's Door. That, the, the game's phenomenal. Um, it, it's one of those things where I, I always just have a little inside joke that, you know, my spidey sense goes off about certain games, if it's going to be really good, if it's going to be really bad. I feel like, you know, I'm I'm like friggin' 8-0 right now when it comes to that. Because the second I saw Death's Door, I go, this is going to be good. I knew it was going to be good. I'm so glad that we were able to have Asset Nerve on here to talk about the game. And then now that the world has had a chance to actually play it, to just see all the glowing reviews, to see everyone on social media just talking about it. My dog, again, agrees with all of this. 
yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's great. It's just a great game and highly recommend anyone um, out there that has not checked it out yet. Uh, I think it's what, $20 right now to yep. pick it up. It is not on Game Pass, which, hey, it's part of business. It's not, that's fine. Definitely worth your $20 though. I highly recommend people pick it up. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it and you're feeling that. It has been really fun to see everybody now, Paris, reacting to it now that it's out in the wild. The reviews are out there and to see it so positive after you and I talking with the team over there, just a two-man team with some help from some others, but really, really cool from the previews to now where we are and just, you know, watching that all evolve. That's great, and I'm glad you're enjoying it a lot. But uh, you know what? Another fun one is we have an awesome interview coming up later on in the back half of the show. We have one of the raddest dudes in video games, the head honcho of Double Fine Productions, Tim Schaefer, joining myself and Paris to talk all things Psychonauts and of course, his lineage in the video game industry. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Don't miss out on that. But the front half of this show is going to be all about Psychonauts 2 because we were given access to a fun hands-on preview event ahead of its August release. So we're going to talk about that in just a couple of moments. So let's jump right into the show. Of course, this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games roosterteeth.com and of course on podcast services around the globe i'm going to pimp out something special here youtube.com slash kind of funny place please go on over to that youtube channel hit the subscribe button because that is where we put all of our vod content from our twitch live streams each and every weekday after kind of funny games daily and as you heard barrett say we have been playing through the metal gear solid franchise it's our first time me and barrett ever playing Metal Gear Solid 1. It is an experience of its own to see these characters, to hear about the history, Kojima, all of that in between. It's been really, really fun. So come join us over at youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplace to experience Metal Gear Solid for the first time. And of course, to catch up on all of the Twitch streams you might have missed if you want to go check it out. On top of that, we'd like to thank our monthly Patreon producers for the month of July. Thank you to Marcus Stanford, Tyler Ross, Julian, the gluten-free gamer, James Hastings, Casey Andrews, and Elliot. Of course, this week of the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by ExpressVPN, Upstart, and Credit Karma. But we'll talk all about that later. Let's jump right into the fun of Psychonauts. So before we do our Psychonauts 2 hands-on preview, of course, Barrett spoke a couple weeks ago about him playing through Psychonauts 1, thanks to backwards compatibility, and... He got me excited about it, Paris, right? We knew that we were a month away. You've played it before, 15 years. And so I said, I got to play, right? I got to jump in here and see what's up. So I actually just finished my Psychonauts 1 playthrough right before we went hands-on with Psychonauts 2. So uh, a lot of Psychonauts last week for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I had a ton of fun. So I thought we'd start really quick with just five minutes about Psychonauts 1 because Maybe a lot of our audience hasn't played that. Maybe they have played it. Maybe they haven't seen it or heard about it for 15 years, and it's finally back on their radar with this sequel. And so I thought we'd just get a quick run through of what everybody thought or what you remember of Psychonauts 1 as I've just come hot off the heels of it. And I got to say, Barrett, after you broke it down a couple of weeks ago, I was into it, right? I think we're coming hot off the heels of Ratchet and Clank, and it takes two these fun third-person action platformer games that you can really enjoy. And when you said, hey, Mike, like this is a fun, unique story, a cool little action platformer. I think you're going to like it. I took a chance and Barrett, 15 years might show its age a little bit in the gameplay and the visuals, of course, but the story and the jokes and the humor and the fun, 
it's all still there. It is a heartwarming, fun story that really made me smile all the way through. It challenged me during some puzzles. I actually enjoyed the combat and everything was really, really great. I will say the final two levels, of course, the meat circus were very difficult for me. Those platformers yeah. got a little wild. Yeah, little that, wild. That, that's where the platforming definitely showed its age a little <laughs> bit. That yeah. last uh, boss sequence took me a, a few tries to to get through, especially with all the the type rope stuff and, and and stuff like that. You could definitely see that, like, yeah, this is a 2005 PS2 era uh, platformer right here. But it, it was still like a, a fun ride when you when you get back to that that final boss and uh, see where the the story all like uh, ends up. Yeah, it was really cool to meet Raz and then, of course, go to the summer camp and experience what that was with all of the kids and Raz and the dynamic of what's going on and the psychonauts with the teachers and the camp counselors. And I really enjoyed that. I, I think I loved it all the way through. And I think, Paris, you and I will talk about this with Baird, of course, when we go into Psychonauts 2, but the theme, right, of mental health and battling these mental illnesses, the mental yes. demons and having empathy and help overcoming that for other people because it's not in your mind you're going into other people's mind which is a really trippy idea and it was one Paris that stuck with me through one and hot into our preview with number two of like it made me smile it made me think and it actually kind of made my heart warm of like wow they took on these themes and they've made them you know very profound very unique but also really special of like it was a fun way to overcome those challenges and, and kind of talk about that which is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, just, just to give a, a tiny sneak peek into to our discussion we had with Tim, that was the one thing that I brought up was the fact that the way that Double Fine is able to address mental health, do it in a way that, yes, there, there's some funny moments to it, but it is respectful to what that means to just just overall in, in life. I, I thought they balanced that very well to where they're, they're giving you some real life stuff that, that actually goes on with mental health, but they do it in a, in a, in a very, in a comical way, but it's not over the top to where it's, it's just disrespectful to that entire process. So, so yeah, again, kudos, kudos to double fine and all. And obviously Tim will talk about that in, in the interview, but yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. And I haven't, I didn't complete the original psychonauts when I started playing it again, I just went through, you know, some of the early levels to kind of just refresh myself. So I haven't gone back to the meat circuits. And the fact that you bring that up, it's like, I, I wonder how the hell did I beat that back then? But um, <laughs> it is interesting thinking about how the theme of it, the writing and everything has, and, and, and maybe we ought to hold this to Psychonauts too, but it really carries on in, into the second one playing that as well. So I, I'll save some of that till yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's a perfect fun blend. Cause we're going to move into yeah. Psychonauts too right now, but I do Baird, I want to finish with you, but I want to give some love really quick to Xbox backwards compatibility and the power of that console. It is wild. You know, Baird heard me during some of the live streams of like, I'm blown away by the visuals. And this game is 15 years old and it has no right to be looking this good during gameplay. And when you cut to the cutscenes, you would see the age and you'd be like, oh, wow. Okay. Never mind. It looks really old. But like, yeah. it is very impressive to play these old games. Like, we're playing Metal Gear Solid on PC and I'm looking around like, does anybody else notice how good this looks? Why does this look so good? Like, was I just too young to recognize it or did it look bad back then? And it's like, I'm very impressed with what you see with a 15 year old game through backwards compatibility with this hardware. Yeah, And I was definitely, I was especially spoiled because I play when I uh, finally played through Psychonauts one for the first time uh, all the way through a few months ago, I played it, I think on steam 
and like I was able to get like kind of like finagle some stuff in the back end and get it to like 1440p and have all like the in-game models like uh, look a little fresh and 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 uh, of course nothing like uh, where the second one is at. But I got to like get that full kind of like HD feel, even uh, though like the assets are still a little bit old. And then yeah, it was definitely Jari like going from that to the cutscenes, and you're like, oh yeah, like. That was that's uh, that's where games were at uh, fifteen years ago. So, um, but yeah, just like I, 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 I'm glad you finally went through it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it like really hit for you, especially like it, it really hit for me. And something that I'm surprised like for all the times people tried to sell me on that game, no one was like, dude, you really love Persona Five. Like, check this game out because there's some like similarities of like going into people's cognition essentially and seeing the way they view the world and uh, in in uh, a lot of the times non healthy ways um, and being able to see like a uh, kind of being able to walk in other people's shoes and understand like where they where they're at and uh, I think you you said it uh, at one point, Paris, of like the way that they're able to meld kind of story and themes and like even gameplay uh, aspects together even in the original is really really impressive yeah. uh and just like just like the fun little thing where like the collectibles in the game are like figments of the imagination right and like those like help you level up and like uh and get more powers and stuff like that and become more powerful and get more life and uh you know like the the mental vaults where you know people have locked away uh memories and uh the what is it the the cobwebs uh and like sorting out like uh people's mental cobwebs and stuff like that like i i they're all like these fun like kind of visual representations for uh things that we talk about when we talk about mental health and stuff and again like you said paris it's like it never feels disrespectful it's it's like a fun way to like show these aspects but it never it feels like it's um coming from a, a place of disrespect whenever it's trying to bring up topics and stuff like that uh the one question i have for you mike because i'm really interested of like uh you already brought brought up the meat circus and you know slight spoilers for a game that's 15 years old but what what level stood out to you the most is is, is what i'm really wondering here thanks for asking that bear because i know you and i talked about the milkman conspiracy and how that stood out to you and it's funny you know I was on that mission when you brought that up and I was like, oh man, it is kind of a trippy, weird mission with the Girl Scouts and this milkman. I don't know what the heck is going on and all these different agents, right? But actually what really stood out to me was a couple missions later, actually out there during the final sequence was the luchador and the man being the bull and battling, yeah. you know, his high school sweetheart being taken by kind of like the varsity cheerleader guy. And that was really fun. And I think what it was, was the standout of color. Right. I think everything really stayed the same throughout the game. And there's some really great set pieces. But all of a sudden you were in this incredible, like all blacked out, neon light colored Raz's suit changed. You fought the different wrestlers on each of their different mats, which was really cool and unique. And I think that one to me, I was like, wow, look at this. This is totally different from everything we've played so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I really, that whole <laughs> sequence when you're in the asylum is, like, you get to go into a lot of cool uh, levels. There's one uh, close to that one, too, where you essentially go into a tabletop game, and you have to, like, yes. the level is essentially you battling through a, a, a tabletop match, which, uh, again, the worlds that they are, uh, they're able to create, even back then, was really impressive. And to see what we got to see with Psychonauts 2 and see, like, w the ideas that have grown in inside their brains for probably, like, the last, like, decade of just, like, these these cool ideas that they're able to expand on even more. It's just, like, holy crap. I, I, I can't wait to see what else they have up their sleeve with the, oh, with yeah. the sequel. Oh, yeah. 
Well, let's jump in and talk about the sequel. Of course, we were granted permission to go on hands-on with a really cool preview. Of course, a lot of outlets have different previews up. So listen to ours. Go check out other content creators Absolutely. and different outlets that you love. Listen to their opinions. Find the ones that you like, that you don't like. Gather the information you need. Because guess what? Raz and the Psychonauts are back next month, releasing August 25th and available through Xbox Game Pass. So Xbox players, you can jump right into this fun world without having to pay a fee right off the bat. Of course, we were granted special permission access to this preview ahead of it all. There were four total missions. It felt like six, but really it was four when you look at the big breakdown of it all. Anywhere could last you from two hours to six hours. So I want to just jump right in with you guys. Let's share our initial thoughts of what you thought. And Paris, I'm going to kick it to you first. What were just some of your initial thoughts of your experience with the preview? Uh, I absolutely loved it because it felt like I was returning to something that, you know, had that, that I've been a part of for so long. My wife walked in, sorry. Um, but no, I absolutely loved it because it felt so familiar to just jump into Psychonauts 2. And, and I love that they gave you the recap at the start, you know, to kind of for people that played it 15 years ago or never got to play it. So, so you got to, Oh, okay. This is the world. And this, this is kind of the previously, and you know, it, it literally starts like right after the events of, of the original Psychonauts, you're thrown back in as, as Raz. And I mean, and I said this on Twitter uh, the other day, but you know, the, the, the writing, the level design, the music that they had in, in, in Psychonauts 2 and just the limited amount of playtime that we had, it was fantastic. Um, I loved it. I mean, again, I'm trying so hard to like not, not spoil anything specific other than to say I loved it. If, if I had a critique, I mean, there, there's definitely some tweaking that they could kind of do in, in, the, in the quote unquote combat that's in the game. I felt the platforming elements were, were good. Um, but it's it's the story that they're building and and what it all means to be a psychonaut in that world is what engaged me to want to keep going and want to keep playing because trust me once I was done I'm like man I, I just I'm, I want to I want to finish the game that this is where I'm at with it so if anything it's going to be a long month until, until we get to play it again <laughs> but um yeah, but yeah I, my my initial thoughts is I I loved it um double fine I I feel like they're absolutely knocking this out of the park so yeah it's great. Bear, what were some of your thoughts? Uh, I'll just uh, I'll agree with Paris. I, I loved it, um, and I, I wanted to finish it. I wanted to see it all the way through. And it was hard to play so much of the game and be like, ah, oh, man. Like I, Phil Spencer was on Gamescast uh, last week uh, or maybe two weeks ago. Time is a flat circle. Uh, and well, he, he wasn't was, here. We know that. Yeah, <laughs> he, was he wasn't on Xcast. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, and he was saying like on that where he was uh, he got to play a preview build of, of Psychonauts two, and I wonder if it was the same thing that we got to check out. And he he said like early on that he had kind of put the controller down. He was like, all right, like I, I, I want to stop here because I want to play the full game and the full game's ready. And like when he was talking about that, I was like, man, I feel that so hard because it was one of those things like even going through the first mission and finishing there, I was like, all right, I feel like I've, I've seen and played enough. I'm so like I was already sold on the on the sequel. I was even sold on the sequel before I had played the, the, the first one all the way through just because every time it showed up in E3 and with a new trailer, I was like, man, I'm so into this idea uh, and so into this world and this art style on these characters and uh, I did make myself play the entire thing because I wanted to capture as, as much uh, footage as we could for the for the preview um yeah I just playing it on PC like the to get like the kind of 
little snags out of the way. Like it, it was a little like performance wise, a little framey at times. Granted, this is a preview yeah. build. They're they, you mm -hmm. know they're still a little bit out from fully releasing the game. Uh, so I you know I had that in the back of my mind of like you know they they're still probably tweaking some things here and there. Uh, Performance-wise, there, there was a, a second Raz in the middle of a boss fight that I played. Uh, and So that was a little... Uh, it was fun uh, to have that like, kind of hanging out in the middle of my screen. But besides that, like uh, it's just interesting that you said uh, you would like to see them tweak uh, the gameplay a little more. I think like coming off uh, hot from the first one, the, the thing that I was really impressed by was like how much it felt true to the original but just like the right. little modern tweaks to not make it feel like you're still playing a ps2 era game the the game is really impresses impressive of bringing you back to that era of 3d platformers uh from the mid-2000s but not particularly feeling as as weird and janky as sometimes psychonauts one uh feels like today uh and so that was something that really stood out to me with both the combat and the platforming uh there's like little tweaks here and there with the platforming especially where i was like oh man like there are times in Psychonauts 1 playing it this year where I was, like, uh, using, like, the levitation ball and stuff where I was, like, completely breaking uh, some things that I probably shouldn't have been been breaking in design. And just, like, the little tweaks here and there to, again, make it feel like that era but not feel too too old but keep it feeling fresh and a, a little more refined uh, to make it feel like a game that's actually coming out in 2020. I was really uh, – 2021, I was really impressed with. It didn't feel like uh, – I'd mentioned this on PS I Love You XOXO earlier this week. It didn't feel like playing – SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, right? Where that was literally just, it was a visual upgrade for sure, but that game controlled exactly how it did uh, back in the mid-2000s. And even, like, uh, Destroy All Humans, uh, when that got uh, remade and stuff, like, that feels exactly how it played back in the back in the mid-2000s. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely in, lo in love with it. I really love the art style. I know it's, uh, you know, everybody has different tastes. Uh, I, I've seen some comments on YouTube of like, oh, man, I'm really not into this, blah, 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 blah. I, I think the game's really pretty, uh, especially playing it on PC. I was, like, really impressed of just, like, how beautiful the art style is. And, again, similar to the gameplay, keeping homage to, like, what the original art style was, especially with, like, the limitations you had back then, but still, like modernizing it like even like the the differences with like how raz looks like it it it, it doesn't feel too far from the original but just uh just tweaked a little bit enough to have it hold up today by today's standards and look really really cool yeah if i, if I could jump in really quick just, just to clarify a little bit before you give your thoughts mike so when when i talk about the platforming it it it's it's a like I said, it's a minor tweet thing. Like it's it's not game breaking or like oh I don't want to play this. It's it's a minor thing. But I did run into a few times where can can I jump there? Can can I do that? Like <laughs> I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure this was the way I needed to progress. And mm. obviously trial and error, you figure it out and, and you move on. So it's just little things like that. I mean overall as a platformer, combining it with some of your 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 psychic powers and all that, it felt good to play. Um, I, I, mean, I am actually curious with, with both of you um, how you felt about the speed of the game. Um, like when you hop on the levitation ball, obviously you can move a lot faster. It did mm -hmm. feel a little slow to me that, that I, was, I was hoping it would speed up somewhat. But I mean, overall, th this isn't anything. These are just nitpicks. This isn't anything where, yeah. you know, the, the game's bad or anything <laughs> like that. This is unplayable. It's just 
kind of, okay, they still have a little bit of time. Maybe there's a couple tweaks here, there they could fix. I, I also played on Windows 10 and I noticed there were some frame rate issue things that they needed to, like I had to turn VSync on at one mm -hmm. point to kind of lock in the frame rate because it was getting a little juddery if I didn't. Um, it seemed fine for the most part when I played on the, on the Series X. Uh, but other than that, I mean, like I said, nitpicks. This is, trust me, I, I wish I had a controller in my hand playing it right now, but, <laughs> but, but those were kind of just the things, if, if I had any, anything to critique that, that stood out to me. Yeah, and I just wanted to get those out of the way because I know that we're going to kind of right, exactly. really gush about this game. And yeah, I, I think the, the kind of slight downsides we had with the preview, like it definitely don't affect just all of the highs that I went through playing through, yeah. uh, playing through this uh, preview. So just wanted to make that clear as well. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up, Harris, of like, because me and Bear are coming hot off the heels of our first ever Psychonauts, you know, playthrough and experience. And it's like, you can see the elevation, right? That's a 16-year-old game moving mm -hmm. into what I just put my hands on. So it's like, did it feel fast or did it feel slow? It's like, it feels like it's modernized to me, right? It feels just at home perfectly with the combat elevation, which I love. You see the new dash dodge mechanic, right? You didn't really have that right on a button ready to go on the first one you had to actually aim and then dodge and it's just one of those like you can tell a lot of the controls were modernized and it felt right to me and i actually played on the xbox series s uh over the week that i had it and i had a lot of fun checking it out on that console As of course we always talk about the x so we talk about the pcs i thought you know what i'll jump over on the s and see what that feels like and i think the art style, no matter what you play on, it's going to pop regardless, right? It just has that special art style where the colors pop, the whole look of it has this unique feel. But for me, when I look at it as a whole, like I'm smiling from year to year. I had an incredible experience and I'm having a rocking year. I brought it up before, but coming hot off the heels of It Takes Two with Joseph Ferris and over at that team with Hazelight to Insomniac with Ratchet and Clank to this, like I'm having a fun 3D platformer year right now these guys are hitting it and it's like okay good if you liked those two if you were interested in that psychonauts is going to hit for you and i think what kept me coming back is that story and those themes right i think it's something where yeah i had that experience just last week of psychonauts one but the idea of dealing with mental health and talking about what happens in other people's minds with these different you know um illusions or self-doubt or worry and yes, we'll talk yes. about those like there was just so much where it's like Man, this made me smile. This made me think. This made it fun. This made me laugh. And it is just so weird to think about something where, you know, when we talk about mental health, usually we don't talk about it in this light. Or we don't really bring it to video games that often. And I think this team has made it where you can play this and you'll really take something away from it. And I think every single level, it challenges you just to sit for a moment and think about it, right? Think about that new enemy type. Think about the characters you meet and the minds that you're going into and what you're, what they're dealing with and what your impact is on that. And I think we'll talk about it in just a minute, bit, but when we jump in and we start to talk about that mental tether, which is like kind of your like lasso zip line to go to different things and you can connect thoughts, right? And how you make an impact on that person's mind by connecting their thoughts in a different way was really interesting to see. And so I'm coming hot off of this of like, wow, oh, wow, this is a put-on-your-radar must-play right now because I had an extremely great time with it. And that's where I want to kind of move into next is the story and the themes that we did get to see, right? We'll talk about gameplay now. We'll kind of open it up to anything you guys want to talk about. But, Paris, you talked about it. This game comes hot off of the moments of Psychonauts 1 and, of course, their VR game, uh, Rhombus of Ruin. 
you haven't seen any of those, if you haven't played any of those, if it's been a long time, they have a great little intro sequence that will get you all caught up on the story. But you are immediately dropped in with Raz and the team, and you're going to the mother lobe, which is, you know, Psychonauts HQ, and it felt like home. It actually uh, was it, really it, cool it, for it, me. It, it had the themes of, hey, you meet the interns, aka the kids, right? And it has that same summer campy vibe. But then on the flip side, like, the Motherlobe is this like cool centralized world where there's all the characters. And for me, it kind of made me feel like Men in Black, right? That opening sequence of Men in Black when, you know, Jay goes in there and he, he's looking at all the different aliens walking around. That's what it felt like. And it was a really cool setting to kick off the start of the whole thing. Completely agree. Um, I, I, I love kind of like you're, you're explaining almost like this hub world that, that you'll be in once you get past the initial intro things that you do at the start of the game and you can kind of freely walk around, interact with diff different characters and everything. And obviously you can start to push the story forward if you so choose. But that's the kind of the beauty of this, that it, I, it, it felt like home. It, it felt like a place I had been to before within this world of, of the Psychonaut. So, you know, I loved being in there. Um, I, I think the, the thing that I take away the most from this, and again, I'm really trying to not spoil anything, uh, is as an example, Raz goes into someone's mind to try to fix a bigger problem, changes this person's mind, and then breaks that person, and then has to basically go back into that person's mind to fix it again. And the guilt that Raz yeah. feels. Yeah, yeah for doing what he did, even though he had good intentions. And again, when we talk about mental health and how this all works in, in the real world, that, that kind of stuck with me a little bit. Like, wow, I go, this is deeper than you actually think. And, and, and I love that, which really, again, is, is another reason why I really want to deep dive more into this world. The fact that one of the first things that they, they talk about you, and it's just a small scene, but Raz's fear of water. And why? Because he thinks he's cursed. And what is that going to mean in the bigger picture as we move through, through this game? Um, I love the, the little different character moments that we had with some of the other interns. And I'm trying so hard to not spoil it, but um, their interactions and different motivations from, from characters that you can see that potentially could pay off down the road. And this isn't even gameplay. This is this is why I say the writing in this is is so strong. And again, the voice cast, you know, they obviously still got some of the people from from the past and just everyone that's involved right now. It's so strong that I want to know what's going to happen next. I care already about Raz and this, these other characters in this world and their motivations and obviously ultimately the quote unquote big bad potentially, you know, that's going to be in this game. All, all these things that are happening. That's what makes this great to me. Um, and that's what's so good about gaming in general. Sure, you can have all the platforming and the combat, but if you have a good story, if you have really good writing that can suck you into that world, I mean, th that's what it's all about. Like it literally, I, I, I want to be a psychonaut. I think that's the best way I can do it, right? I want to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, piggybacking off of that, it's funny. You know, we talk about the big bad, and I think that was one coming off of Psychonauts 1, right? You kind of have Oleander, who's kind of yeah. doing some stuff. You have Dr. Lobato. But now yeah. it feels like now we have, like, a really centralized big bad, right? If you've played through Psychonauts 1, both those baddies were, were cool, but they didn't do much. I think this one is going to be really cool. But I want to touch on those themes again because 
we have new enemy types, Baird. And I think this one stuck with me as we talk about the mental health and stuff like that. When you look at the new baddies coming in, right, you have, let me find my notes really quick. Um, you have new ones like regret, right? Or self-doubt, which are like slow moving puddles of mud that you can light on fire or regret, which is like carrying mental baggage and weight around and you can pull them down and hit them back with it. There's bad ideas that blow up in your face. And I thought that was a really fun way of like tackling some of these themes and making them unique, making them different of when you see them for the first time, you're like, Oh man, I, I, I know what the sensors are or, Oh man, like an enabler. Yeah. That's what they would do. Right. And so they fit in so well to the gameplay and what they do. And it makes you smile when you sit there and see them because like it is a really thought out and thoughtful way of putting these kind of ideas and the mental health aspect into the game and making them fun and unique ways to play off of it. Yeah. I, I, again, like the, the, the first one, I think like compared to what we played of the preview, I feel like the first one just scratched the surface and like seeing what yes. they're doing with the, with the mm -hmm. preview is like really impressive. Again, how they're tying it all together, uh, which is what I really love. Like to piggyback of what you were saying, Paris of like the uh, connecting certain thoughts and how that uh, kind of, kind of snowballs uh, into this like whole bad idea and kind of blows up in a lot of people's faces. It like even th the simple commentary of like, there is a healthy way to look at something and like a, an unhealthy way to look at something. And they could both looking at uh, that same thing from two different perspectives could give you the same end result, but the different ways that you look at it might effect after that right and there's just like little things like that that they they make commentary on early on in the game and just like the you know there's a level that we played was which was all centered around anxiety and how like all, all of this like anxiety and self-doubt which is something that i uh personally deal with a lot um i love how they kind of show that near the end of that uh sequence again i don't want to spoil too much but like how they kind of comment of like it's it was really all in his head and like how he is in control of the quote unquote like kind of bad guys in that level, um, which I absolutely love of like his uh, kind of um, cognition of these people aren't really how these people are in real life. It's just how he sees them and uh, him trying to get over that hump. And then, you know, there's a, a level where it was all about uh, archetypes and kind of different versions of yourself and not uh, being tied to a specific one, but allowing these different parts of yourself and different parts of your history uh, to kind of define you as a whole and not to be stuck to like one uh, aspect of your, your life. And there's just like a lot of, even just in the preview stuff, a lot of beautiful things that they were kind of commenting on with mental health. And uh, yeah, I, I absolutely adored everything uh, story and thematically that, that we got to, that we got to play through. Um, and again, like you were saying, Mike, of just like, even like the new enemy types and like every time, they got introduced i was like absolutely in love with it especially with like the title card like everybody gets now yes. they ha all have their like their own little moment um yeah i, I just I, I adored it so much and yeah with like the story of like where where it starts off right like uh i tried to watch a, a video of rhombus of rune because i'm not gonna 
uh, play VR uh, because <laughs> VR makes me uh, makes my tummy real uh, real sick. Uh, so I was trying to watch that, and then I haven't gotten back to it. I want to I want to finish watching a playthrough of that before this comes out. Uh, but yeah, like the the recap, I think it will be really helpful, especially for people who might not be able to to play uh, Psychonauts one and uh, Rhombus Room before uh, two comes out, and they want to play two. Um, I still encourage you to at least try out Psychonauts uh, one since it's on Game Pass, and uh, you can check it out. Um, but even just like kind of like the kind of early story that they introduce of uh, like we're saying the other the other interns and uh, like Raz no longer being part of the camp and it wasn't one of those interesting things where I had a feeling like we weren't going to see a lot of the camp members and I was like wondering if like oh am I am I going to miss that same crew of like the the redheaded bully and like the yes. the the two twins <laughs> who seem to be like up to some like cultist like murder like mission <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like all this stuff and i was sort of like oh man am i like even though like you know and then there's um oh shit the the kid with the the foil on his head to protect his brain but he's the first one who gets uh uh his brain stolen i forget forget his name um but like even like uh, like I hope, like, maybe we get a cameo of them, but I was wondering if, like, oh, am I going to miss that cast of characters? And being introduced to the, intern, the other interns early on and uh, having Raz kind of fully experience the Psychonauts facility and not starting off on the, the, the best of uh, feet with uh, the other interns, I, like, I didn't think about the original cast of characters uh, from the camp the entire time I was playing, I was like really invested with uh, all of these uh, other interns that Raz is hanging out with and, you know, uh, seeing their story early on and how that kind of goes into a new era of friendship for, for Raz and some other characters. Yes. And I'm, I'm really excited to see like all of them kind of hang out and see like where they end up uh, throughout the rest of the story and, and, and see how we get to possibly deep dive with some of those other characters. Um, so yeah, that's with the, the story and themes and stuff. I, I just that was a major part of like I was grinning from ear to ear almost the entire time just because I was so sold on everything that they were doing. And Lily's oh. back. Lily's back. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I want to piggyback off of what you were talking about, Barrett, because I was going to bring that up to the, the the one level at where there's a lot of anxiety and, and stress happening. In I love that they took the actual gameplay and made that very stressful and gave you yes. oh, yeah. anxiety too because i had it the entire <laughs> time right but and, and that's kind of the beauty that's why i hope to see more of that um and you know as you you know as you progress through the game and obviously we hit some of the story beats and some of the other characters that we'll meet one one that you and i were talking about offline before we started another character moment that i loved and, and i won't spoil the premise of it but you meet this couple that's that wants to have a baby and you yeah. basically have to help them have a baby. And then the, the conversations that is happening during that scene, it's great. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's absolutely great. And, and again, this is what I was talking about before. I think the writing and the voice cast is so top tier in this that it really immerses you into that. Look, three, what is it? Three gajillion dollars. You'll yes. see when you play it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Means a lot, but yeah, it's great, man. Yeah. And like we talk so much about like uh, trying to nail comedy in video games and, so, and yeah. stuff like that. And it was impressive to go back to the first Psychonauts and uh, like all, all of the kind of like classic, almost like uh, early 2000s Cartoon Network era uh, yeah. cartoons and Nickelodeon, and all that stuff. And like how much the first one reminded me of that and how there was like a lot of humor in that first one. And I was like, man, like I don't feel like when people talk about comedy in video games, they never bring up this uh, Psychonauts. And I'm super 
super surprised about that. And like even the comedy in this one was just like it was so gold. And there's like a lot of laugh out loud moments, which again is impressive when you're nailing comedy. You're nailing like almost like get hype moments, and then commentary on mental health and uh, just these cool creative worlds, and even like bleeding that into the to the gameplay. Like there's some there's some fun. Um, uh, side-scrolling stuff that we eventually get into that I'm that I'm showing on screen right now. That was uh-huh. just like, it was just just all of it coming together was just it was awesome. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Those really. moments are really special, and I want to give a, a shout out to some of the callbacks from the original Psychonauts that you'll see. Of course, figments of the imagination are back. The big collectibles, and that was one thing. Is a hands-on preview, and our save isn't carrying over. And I wanted to search for all of them, right? I wanted every single one. And probably by level two, I was like, you better slow down, Mike, because we might make this a 10-hour preview if you try to grab everything. I, and I, I, I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but that's also part of it, too. There, there's the, quote-unquote, collect-a-thon yep. that's inside it, but it didn't feel monotonous to me. It didn't feel grindy to me. Like, I wanted to go do it, yeah. which, mm-hmm. which is another great sign. Oh, it it, it encourages exploration because, of course, the scavenger hunt is back in a new way. Yes. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out to Memory Banks. Memory banks to me, I think, are one of the coolest pieces of storytelling that Double Fine and Psychonauts has where there is no little mini cutscene. There's no voice acting. It's just about like five pictures. And I think you always remember the word, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? And you scroll through these five different pictures and you kind of put that story together. Of course, they're kind of telling it, but like in your mind, you interpret it the way you want. So it's like really cool when we have this conversation later on of like, we'll talk about one and I want to know what like Paris thought of it or what Barrett saw of it. Right. Because it's only five pictures. There's no words, there's no writing you interpret it how you want to. And I really love that kind of aspect. And like, again, I love that. I love that aspect too, which is from the first game. And it's just one of those things when like those memories that you do lock away, you only really have like quick snippets of like what Mm -hmm. really went down. So again, the way that they're able to represent a, a lot of things is, is really impressive. But before I forget, and you maybe yeah. you're going to bring this up, Mike, but I know we, we touched on it lightly at, at the top. Shout out to the art team on here <sighs> for just my God. It's it's so good. Like like the teeth, like it is as much as that might freak you out. The, just the way they've designed that in the level <laughs> it's so good. So, I mean, that and, and, and we've even seen in some of the other screenshots and things that will probably come up later in the game. There's so much diversity to the level design that that's in here. And I think that's great too. It's not, we're just doing the same things over and over. It's almost like the old Flintstones where they just kept scrolling the same scene <laughs> in the background the, the entire time. It's so diverse to different color palettes and just designs that, that we see again, phen- it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal so far. Love it. The, the one comedy thing that I want to uh, shout out before I forget with that same uh, cooking show kind of anxiety level is just, uh, you know, there's a lot of ingredients in the audience, which is just like so uh, morbid that they're they're psyched to be selected to be participating in the show, <laughs> yeah. but they're about to be like cooked. And uh, I just want to shout out uh, the the part that I laughed out loud the, the most is uh, to be able to cut things. There's like this almost like uh, 
mechanical pig that like has like a cleaver that you're using to cut things. And on the third, uh, on the third dish, uh, it, uh, you need bacon, I think. And um, you grab a pig in the audience and you take it up to the, you take it up to the mechanical pig and it's like grandpa. And it's just like <laughs> shit like that where little, I was like, yeah, oh little, my, little, yeah. little stuff like so little moments where I'm like, oh, this is yeah. so good. And like it, it, a lot of those little things like never stop. Like they just they have so many good little moments like that that are so good. It's great. And yeah, Parrish, big shout out to the art team. And we'll hear it when we talk with Tim Schaefer later, later of like just letting your imagination run wild. You bring up that art team. And it's like, if there's one place I would love to spend a week at, it would be double fine with that art team and just seeing what they come up with, what they draw, the colors they use, the crazy, imaginative, creative, unique ideas that they want to touch on and talk about and show off because every single level feels unique. Every single thing feels like it should be there, but it's also outrageous. And it's like, why is it there? And then you're like, I love it because it's so weird and crazy. And it's an absolute blast. And yeah, the art really drives it forward. I, I want to touch on one final thing before we get out of here and get into that interview, of course, is the combat. And I think that's one thing coming hot off of number one, it's elevated. It is so much more refined. It is way, it is really, really good. And I think there is so much to show from it of you can not only see the elevation for 15 years, of course, and making it so modern, but you have new moves and all of them are mappable at a press of a button really fast. And on top of that, I love that the side blast isn't drawn to you collecting, you know, small orbs anymore. It's just on a cooldown, And now you have four instead of three. And like, there's all these small quality of life things that they really elevated on the combat where now the combat really feels rewarding and fun and you feel in control in these fights from small to big, no matter where you are. And that's a big one that stood out to me was how good the combat is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I touched it on a little bit at, at the top. It, it felt good overall. And I loved it. Like you said, I love that it's it's easy, easily customizable where you want to slot the different uh, weapons. And I, I love the upgrade path that you have for all of them as well. I think it, it makes sense in this world and it, and it feels right. Um, it's fun. It's fun to play. Like I said, probably a couple little tweaks they could do here or there on, on a few things. But overall, it, it felt solid. It felt good to play. It felt good to use the different the different abilities that you have in certain situations against certain enemies. Like you can even c combine a couple of them depending on the enemy type. But yeah, I mean, I liked it, and I think I think people will have fun with the, a lot of fun with this when they're playing it, especially with some with some of the particular enemies where you know. Once you kind of figure out their their attack patterns, you know, like, okay, I can hit him with the fireball here. I could grab this and I could throw that, hit my levitation ball, get around him. Too. You know, there's all these different things you can yeah. do. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. The combos are going to be dope. And it's funny yeah. you bring that up because I was watching other previews and people were attacking an enemy type totally different than I was. And I was right, like, oh, yeah. I didn't even think yeah, of that. Yeah. I did this and I found that it helped me. But like, I didn't know you were doing that. And so I think with the list that you have, and like you said, how fast you can remap and change them on the fly. Mm -hmm. It's going to really lend to like, be creative, be different, be you have fun with it. So mm -hmm. yeah, I love that bear. What you think about that? Yeah. I, I, again, coming at what we were saying earlier, coming off of second knots one. And uh, I, I think they do a lot to, uh, 
make it not feel too different from the original, but just give it some some modern updates. Modernize and, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, modernize it. Be able to, like, Mike, you're saying, like, we kind of had a dodge in the original, and I'm a little hazy on that. But then, like, there's a full, like, dodge roll. Um, I do think there's, like, a, a counterattack, or maybe I'm thinking of a different game because I've, I've played so many different games in la the last week, so they're all melding together. Death's Door. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking of Death's Door. Mike, you in are, one you weekend, are. I got a code for Death's Door. I got the Psychonauts <laughs> 2 preview build and Skyward Sword all in, like, the span of 24 hours. And I was like, oh, God, I have a lot of embargoes to hit. Uh, and so... Yeah, there's like a lot of like uh, just little things that are always like, oh man, this feels so good. Uh, and yeah, it, it felt like a little more focused as well. Like even just like the there was like a like a focus toggle I think in the original one, but like just like the little update the update they made there I think helps a little bit um, and just uh, uh, feel a little more better, feel a little more natural. Um, and yeah, so I, I had nothing bad to say about the the combat. It felt again a lot like the original but just little tweaks here and there to to make it feel a little more uh accessible and a little more just modernized and same with the same with the 3d platforming like i was saying earlier um there's just like little tweaks here and there like it doesn't deviate too too much a lot of modern improvements um and just yeah it it, it all to me felt pretty natural and and good and nothing to like, like I was able to do with the first one, nothing where I could like kind of like break a lot of the platforming and, and, and stuff like that. Like it all, it all felt pretty smooth to me, and I'm I'm really excited to play play more of it. So, yeah. Let, let's uh, let's end it with the final two questions here. I'll go around the room right now. Wow moments that you look forward to seeing others participate in, and that you were wowed by. And should people put this on their radar for games to check out as we head towards the end of summer and into the uh, fall slash holiday season, Paris? What do you think? Uh, I can't wait until people fight the octopus. Um, because <laughs> there's, eh, again, don't want to spoil it. There, there's a couple things and there's a few dialogue things that happen during that that uh, that stand out to me that I think people will really enjoy. Um, as far as your second question goes, I, I, I said it earlier in the week. I feel like this is shaping up because this is a preview. We haven't played the entire game, but this is shaping up to be in the conversation at the end of the year. Like I, I can see Jeff Keighley talking about this game in December, right? Um, that's what this is, because again, the writing is strong. Um, can we talk about the art? The music is there. The combat, in my opinion, is good enough. Couple nitpicks, but beyond that, we, we've, we've talked so much about Xbox not having a plat that platformer, that, that IP, that guy that you can look, look to. It's, it's going to be Raz. Raz is, Raz is, is going to be it. I'm sorry right? it wasn't Banzo, Paris. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. <laughs> but at least I know. that's something I wanted to bring up. Of like, yeah. uh, this is a question that you guys have brought up like for for months. Of like, what is when is Xbox going to have their Ratchet and, uh, and Clank moment? And like, I totally agree with you. Like, this is it. This is this is their game this year. And yeah, technically, you know, this game had started development before Xbox had purchased Double Fine. But you know, there's a reason that they looked at Double Fine to uh, be a part of their Xbox family and. I think uh, what Double Fine is able to bring to the table, I think it's going to, you know, fill that void of, uh, you know, a family friendly 3D platformer uh, adventure game type of Absolutely. type of game that, uh, yep. you know, I think Xbox was lacking in the last few years. So I and, think this is their I, answer. Yeah. And I feel like one, one last thing and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll move it on to you, Mike. To me, 
this game, I felt like we were just scratching the surface of what this game is. So I think it's a lot bigger. And again, I don't know, because we'll obviously see at the end of August, but it feels like it's a lot bigger than I probably initially thought it was going to be, which obviously is great too. Um, but this isn't going to be it for Raz and, and, and that cast of characters. Wow. And, that, and that's where I kind of think, hey, yeah, this may have started off as, you know, as, as something before, you know, it was a Kickstarter, crowd, you know, crowd, crowdfunded game. But now that it's under Microsoft Game Studios, now that Double Fine has all those resources behind them, I, I'd be shocked if we don't see more um, from, from Raz and all those guys, if we don't see more of that world of Psychonauts beyond this, because it just makes sense. It's fun, <laughs> you know, and why wouldn't you continue to do something with this? And like we said, they need a mascot. Now, they don't need a mascot, but it's good to have a mascot. It's good to have a platformer on Xbox. And I, and I just think this is going to be the start of that. Barrett, should people put this on their radar? Uh, one wow moment that I want to uh, say yeah. really quick, just for me personally, I wasn't going to mention this originally, but since we, you know, time is a flat circle thing, uh, we already did the Tim Schafer interview by the time that we're recording this, and he brings it up in the in the interview. I just want to shout out the archetype uh, ability that you uh, that we are able to experience uh, at one point in the preview. Um, you get to make a kind of a specific version of yourself, uh, this paper version of Raz, uh, who can help you open doors, uh, that you wouldn't be able to fully access. And I think also kind of at least like distracts people, uh, during fights or helps, uh, actually like, uh, take, uh, give some damage. Uh, I wasn't able to focus on him too much, but, uh, as, uh, some of you know, uh, Richard Horvitz is the voice of Raz and, uh, is the voice of one of my childhood mainstays, Invader Zim. And, uh, I was quick to hear that the uh, archetype version of Raz, this paper version of Raz, is the voice of Gurr. And I just, that was the moment where I tweeted out that vague just tweet of video games are cool, because that was such a like special moment for me to see that reunion between the voice of Zim and the voice of Gurr. And I, I know people who are roughly my age who grew up with Invader Zim are just going to absolutely love having this little paper doofus follow you around and just kind of do his Gur thing and it's it's amazing and incredible and I just absolutely loved it and the, like it was from that that moment on that I was just like I absolutely love everything this game is doing um and then transitioning into that second question uh is this a game that people should have on their radar I absolutely agree with Paris I think this will be a a, a big uh point of conversation for game of the year I said on PS I love you XOXO earlier this week. I'm going to be very surprised if it's not a top contender for my personal game of the year. Again, we've only I feel like we've only scratched the surface. Again, this is only a preview. We'll see where the final uh the final product lands, but like of what I've played, I'd be very surprised if it's not high up there for my personal game of the year and I'd be very surprised if it's when I eventually make my top 10 personal game of the year list, I'd be very surprised if it's below Ratchet and Clank. Um, just of like what I know of what Ratchet and Clank does with the story and gameplay. I really loved, you can ask my wife where I was playing that game late at night and she'd be like, why are you, what are you gasping at? This little like, uh, like kids game, this little 3d platformer you're playing as a space Fox. Like, what are you doing? Uh, like I love that game, but everything that we saw from this preview and how it all came together and all the commentary that it made, literally everything we've been talking about this entire time, like, I, I was blown away, and I, I can't wait for, for next month. Put it on your radar. Check it out. Give it a try. It's on Game Pass. Play the it's original, It's a ton of too. fun. Play the original. Check out the original or watch a recap. It's really, really great. And it is just like ba Paris and Baird both said. This is that 3D, family-friendly, mascot console platformer that I've always wanted, right? He isn't 
my dream mascot. And I don't think he will be like you said, Paris, but this is scratching that itch. And this is something that we need in the pantheon of games coming from Xbox, right? This is that conversation we always have with Phil and like, what do you need in the portfolio? Here's one good step towards filling out that portfolio in my mind, which I'm really pleased to see. And my wow moments are the worlds, the gigantic boss fights that after 15 years, they're going to wow you. They're going to really wow you and you're going to love every moment of it. So go out there, enjoy it. Get ready for August. This was a ton of fun and really get ready because right after a word from our sponsors, you're going to hear from the man himself. Tim Schaefer is going to sit down with me in Paris and we're going to have a blast talking about Psychonauts 2 and of course, all of his video game lineage. So please sit back, relax and enjoy that. Take a word from our sponsors and we'll see you on the back half of the show. This podcast is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Guess what? You're on the internet and people are always trying to get into your data. So hide your data from them, right? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like taking a call on a train or a bus on a speaker for everyone to hear. So I'll say what I'd say to anyone putting a private call on speaker in public transport. Don't be that person. Internet service providers like Comcast or Verizon know every single website you visit. And in the US, they can legally sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so people can't peep your online activity. Just fire up the app and click one button. It works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. Secure your online activity today with expressvpn.com slash kind of funny and get an extra three months free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kind of funny. Expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. Our next sponsor is Upstart. So many Americans experienced financial hardship in the last year. Upstart can help you regain your footing and get things back on track. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with an online personal loan. Uh, Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score and is expanding access to affordable credit. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash kind of funny that's upstart.com slash kind of funny don't forget to use our url to let them know we sent you loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application go to upstart.com slash kind of funny and our final sponsor of the day is credit karma money credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between July 1st and July 23rd, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash Win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Again, creditkarma.com slash win money. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. We're up now with a fun interview. Of course, I'm joined by Paris Lilly, but we have a special guest right now. One of the raddest dudes in video games, the head honcho 
a double fine productions tim schaefer has joined Ooh. us tim how are you doing today i'm doing great i feel like the one of the raddest dudes did you say raddest dudes in games yeah raddest dudes in games i was thinking of like a fun way to intro you but you know tim when i think of you and i think of you and your team i think of three letters and that's fun and so i wanted to put a little fun spin on that it was fun it was fun i feel great we let people play our game for the first time people people liking it and that's a great feeling paris said some nice things himself <laughs> got it <laughs> tough audience but uh so so far so good yeah. that's great to hear of course the preview is now out uh, a lot of reception a lot of positive reception around psychonauts 2 and of course that's why we brought you on we're going to talk about psychonauts 2 but really tim i want to take some time and just talk to you about all the fun things you've done in the video game industry so this interview okay. is going to start off with psychonauts 2 and then we're just going to deep dive into double fine and you and a whole lot of fun so let's kick it off with the start of course psychonauts 2 coming right around the corner next month you and the team put out the preview build let's start there how are you feeling today after seeing all the previews come out the positive reception how did you and the team really take that it's so great because you know we've been working on it for so long and we have this mix you know double fun's been around for 20 years psychonauts was our first game so we have a mix of you know, some old timers have been there for 18, almost 20 years. And then we have a lot of new people. And so the game is a mix of like things people loved about the first game. And plus this new team bringing new improvements to it and, and making it making it more modern and making it feel better and play better. So having people finally see that is really gratifying to know that that all that all paid off. People noticed. Heck, yeah, we all noticed. So I have to jump in this way. First of all, playing Psychonauts 2, it's, it's been phenomenal so far. I can't wait until August, August 25th gets here so I can continue where I left off. The writing, the voice cast, fantastic. But the awesome. music, I don't think people have talked enough about the music, the soundtrack that you have in this game. Can you kind of talk about some of the inspirations that you had for that? Yeah, we... Um... You know, one of the great things uh, is that we have access to both our new team, but also the original composer, Peter McConnell, who did the original Psychonauts and has done music for every game I've worked on, back to like Day of the Tentacle and some of the Monkey Island games he worked on. So Peter's been there for, for everything, and he's very versatile, which is really helpful in a game like Psychonauts, where there's no setting except for the human mind, and like every level is like there's a you know, a gambling level and a level that's like a TV show. And there are all these different genres of music. And Peter's one of his great things is that he can just do any genre and just uh, nail it. And then we have our own internal sound resources like Camden, Stoddard, and Paul O'Rourke, um, who make it, you know, arrange it and make it um, fit all the different situations. Because we have a lot of like cinematic moments. And and um, it, it, so the inspirations uh, are, we, we just talk about, how the level should feel with the composers and they they really are great at just uh getting what we what we mean the designers and just making it happen musically in a way that um is just amazing to us because you work really hard to make the game great and you're like okay we made this really emotional and it's great and it plays really well and then the music goes on top of it and takes it so much farther than you than you could without it that's really well said. I think the music, I agree, Paris, really takes it to that next level and hits on a lot of great moments there. I want to talk about, you brought up Double Fine and you've talked about this being one of your first games there. Now we look back, it's 15 years later, you're doing a sequel, not something you and the team do very often with a sequel. You put out the story trailer, you said, yeah, everybody there, it's a story for Psychonauts too. How did you build off of that after so long and decide, you know, this is what the story is going to be we want to go back with Raz. You know, how did that come about after so long? 
Well, we had, you know, I had this little notebook of ideas near the end of Second Last One. There were these things we planted in the game that we wanted to, to talk about in a, in a possible sequel someday. Like this curse. There's a curse from the Galokios family that cursed Raz's whole family to die in water. And we just kind of mentioned it off. Oh, by the way, we're cursed to die in water. No big deal. It's like, what is that all about? Where'd that come from? Why'd that happen? Um, and we talk, we show these little elements, like there are these stumps out in the woods in the first campgrounds that have all these characters on it that never appear in the game. And there's this, uh, you know, Ford Crawler is this character who can teleport all around and the, his brain works different than everybody else's. And that's really not explained. And, um, and so I wanted to, we wrote backstory, I wrote, you know, backstories for everyone to do all this like lore that no one ever sees and wrote all deep lore for, for Ford and, and, um, wanted to do a sequel about it. But, you know, second was a game that, um, you know, it took a long time to find its audience. Like uh, through digital distribution, it really reached a lot more people over the years. And that just kind of went up and up and up to the point where there was like a critical mass of fans finally to like, yes, we can do a sequel now. We can tell these stories and we can we can explain the water curse and what it means to Raz and his whole family. And so um, uh, so that that process is really just a long time in the making. And it's really satisfying to be like, yeah, we're going to pay off on all these. If you like the first game, you're going to we're going to pay off on all these things. And if you've never played a second game before, we'll explain it to you. We'll, we'll, we'll take time to explain it to you. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job at, at the opening where you kind of give a recap from the first game to kind of get people up to speed who've never played it or it's literally been 10 or 15 years Previously, since they played, yeah. played the first one, right? So so that was great. Now, I want to take this in this direction. Tim, I know you were on Spawn on Me with Khalif Adams, and I really hope he didn't try to serve you any food because that would have been terrible. But I don't, it I don't. Brings me to <laughs> but it brings me to mental health. And I know that... Mental health is one of the aspects that you've weaved into the narrative of the game. So can you kind of talk about that and the, point, the importance of that in, you know, in the Psychonaut story? Yeah, I mean, uh, it kind of um, just is built into the gameplay mechanics. Uh, empathy, like you're going, you're literally seeing the world through other people's minds, jumping into their heads. So you're going to see things like nightmares and demons and maybe more serious things going on in their heads. Um, and it's still really like a lighthearted, comical game. But we, since we're in there inside people's minds, we had to think about what these things represent to people and, you know, and, and mental health is one of those things. It's not like a foreign culture you have to learn about in a book. It's like, we all have brains. We all have experience with anxiety or depression or more serious things going on in our families or like, so it's, it's part of all of our lives. And so we really wanted to make sure that we were, um, you know, handling it properly, you know, and, and part of it just came from our own, you know, like family experiences and stuff, but then also, you know, uh, Xbox and Microsoft uh, exposes us to a lot of great resources, actual clinical psychologists and doctors who can like look at what we're doing and kind of help us adjust the language of the presentation to make sure it doesn't actually cause harm in the player. You know, that is that it's that, it, you know, in general, we want the game to be enjoyed by everybody, game to be enjoyed by a lot of different people. And so that was just one more step, making sure that it's fun for everybody. I like that. And of course, last week we talked with Steve Saylor about accessibility. And a big one on everybody's mind was the awesome accessibility features that you and the team have put together, along with that mental health advisory warning at the beginning of like, hey, if this triggers you in any way, shape or form, seek help. You even put a nice area of people to go search for help for. What does that mean to you? And how did you and the team come up with really pushing accessibility to the forefront? Yeah, you know, we've had a place where even before we were with Microsoft, our, our we had the similar interests. So we work with Double Fine's worked with Special Effect, which is a group in England that works with 
a lot of severely disabled people so they can still play games, whether they have a special controller. Some people even just playing games with their eyes, just look where they're gazing, you know, and, and, and there's some, we, we learned that there's some simple changes you can make to a game like Day of the Tentacle or Broken Age. We made s small adjustments so that you could use an eye gaze controller, for example. And, and, um, and I know with, uh, you know, things like the adaptive controller, it's something Xbox cares about a lot too. And, um, so that continues to evolve like every year it seems like we learn about new ways to make games more accessible to people who are colorblind or people who are perceiving different you know um perceive the world in different ways you know you can do these things that are not really an advanced technology it's not some complicated machine learning thing that you just you kind of just a couple of fixes here and there can make the game accessible to a lot more people and it really is a question of like why would you want to exclude those people there's no reason right no, I, I would completely agree. There's absolutely no reason to want to exclude anyone from that. But kind of stay along those lines. Like, Double Fine, you've had the fantastic YouTube series um, I, I've been watching during our, our, our COVID times. And uh, it, it brings me to, to the question I want to ask you directly. What has been some of the challenges, not only with yourself, but just with the team finishing this game, you know, having to work remote, you know, just 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 everything that that's been disrupted here, you know, in, in the past year or so with, with COVID-19. Yeah, it's been a really unique way to ship a game. I mean, we're going to completely ship the game while we're in this state. But I feel I mean, in the end, for, personally, for me, I feel really fortunate that there's a lot of people who lost their jobs, a lot of people who obviously got sick and, and, and died. And so a lot of people, we've been very fortunate in that we can continue our jobs in roughly the uh, same way that we did before. You know, we can we still have our computers, we can meet on uh, video conferences and, and we can make this game. And um, but it is challenging for uh, various team members in different ways. Some people are you know, locked in the house with a bunch of kids who can't go to school. Some are locked in the house with nobody but themselves, and they deal with that the loneliness and things like that. And everyone has a different challenge. And we just, you know, as a company, we really care about the quality of life for the employees. And so we've been trying to reach out in different ways to help, you know, whether it's helping people with their internet or their food or, you know, different, different whatever services we can do to, to make life better for people. But the thing I've been impressed with is the, the team itself is really committed to being there for each other. I've noticed, like, everyone shows up and really extends himself. You're having a company party, and it's never it's not the same as a real company party, but you're on Zoom. But everyone is there, I think, for each other and wants to kind of like do their best uh to um do the best they can during this this period. And and hopefully it'll be it'll be over soon. But I think there's some things we all learned um during it. There's little, you know, things we learned about um, what it's like for our remote workers. Cause we always had a you know a handful of people who didn't work in the physical offices. And I think um, they would appear on the screen in the meetings and we would maybe not be able to get their audio working or whatever we try like this. They've, they've been, the you know, a small group of people. But now that we've all been remote workers, I think we'll hopefully learn things that will make remote work better for everybody in the future. That's really cool. And that's actually something I wanted to segue into, of course, celebrating 20 years of Double Fine, right? That's a big deal. You are all about fun and you're engaging and you're awesome, Tim. How do you make that fun, special and unique? with your team, with everybody at home and inside and away from each other, what things worked, what things didn't work? How did you make this celebration feel special and something that you'll always remember? We, you know, we've had some creative things during, you know, we, we had, um, we had a Halloween. We all went to a drive-in <laughs> and we were all in our separate cars, but we were all there together and we let 
one by one small groups of kids uh wander and get candy off each other's hoods and trunks <laughs> so we did some uh, uh social distancing get-togethers like that and um uh, you know, I, it's funny, I've become a little bit of a streamer internally to, to like playing Psychonauts 2 and I'm sharing it over video with the team and they're watching me play and finding bugs and we're like looking at the game together in a way that um, was much easier for people to do because they could just be at their desk and see me and then every once in a while see me fall out, out of the world and be like, oh, 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 I see a bug. And so um, that we, yeah, everyone's just like, like, like all of us during COVID just doing our best to like to keep going. That's really cool. And I love hearing that you've become a streamer, Tim. It's really, really fun. Have you been streamer. working on your intros, your outros? <laughs> Are you like, share, subscribe? You doing great on that? Yeah. Yeah. Just smash <laughs> that bell. What is that thing? That's bells? the thing is right. Tim. Yeah. I love that. that bell right now. So shout out to my super backers. Right on. <laughs> now I, Question I have I have for you since since we have you because I've always been curious about this. Now, obviously, Psychonauts two originally started off as a crowdfunded game, and during that time, um, you became a part of Microsoft Game Studios. What has changed for you as far as the the vision of what Psychonauts two ultimately became? In that, was there things that having the resources and, and the backing of Microsoft did it allow you? to add in some things that you never thought you would be able to? What changed about the game from what you originally thought you were gonna be able to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause we, we were crowdfunded, which is crazy. We've been through publishers and the publishers, the roller coaster of uh, uh, those publishers going away. And um, it seemed like we were gonna, you know, be able to finish, but we would have had to cut a lot of stuff from the game. Mm -hmm. Or like, we started losing our boss monsters. Our boss fights were disappearing because, you know, they're, they're later, they're like, well, that's a part of the level you could snip off, you know, and uh, maybe still finish on time. Uh, and when we started talking to Microsoft and we were interested in this, well, it, you know, just starting to have the early conversation, they were asking us like, what would you do if you weren't so constrained with your resources and I, I put those bosses back in and i would in general just polish the game and just have having like a you know extra months to polish the game and play test it and find the weak spots and improve it that's what i want to do and um and that's what we were able to do they came in and they and they helped us with that and so i feel like it's a much better game that uh because of getting involved with xbox that's really cool what are the fun things do you like when you look at Psychonauts 2, of course, the previews have come out. We've talked about some of the levels that we as the media have gotten to see and share with everybody out there. But are there some moments that stick with you that you really, really love from Psychonauts 2? Yeah, I mean, besides all the there's a, it's obviously a strong like narrative game. There's really great acting and really great music and those kind of things that you would expect. to hopefully if you played the first game, but there's also a lot more. Um, fluid back and forth with the psychic powers res has a, a bunch of psychic powers including some new psychic powers that we showed which is like metal connection which is like this grappling hook and um and a, a time bubble that you can use to slow down things uh both puzzles and enemies and then this little buddy that you have this this uh you can project an archetype into the world um which is a little character that will follow you around and throw switches for you and and just distract enemies um and i love that it's uh um the the you know Richard Horvitz who does the voice of Raz the voice of Invader Zim and we got the actor who plays uh, Gur in Invader Zim to play the little archetype so it's a little bit of a tiny Invader Zim reunion for uh, fans in that but um what I like is our new team uh, uh, of designers have integrated all those psychic powers 
into the gameplay more, I think, than the first game. So while you're in combat, you can actually use all these time bubble and stuff on enemies as, you know, and you'll switch back and forth. Some enemies are burn better than other enemies that are more, you know, grapple hook focused. And and so it's just, um, it's a lot deeper. It has a lot more variety in the combat and also the puzzle solving using the psychic power. So that's been really, that's been really fun in the new game for me. That is awesome. Matter of fact, in the preview for what we got to play, uh, it was the Compton's Cookout. I believe. I believe that that's that's the level we got to do. I, I just I love the the, the puzzle elements. And uh, when we again we talk about mental health, I felt like I had so, a lot of anxiety and stress being able to complete that. But it was fun at the same time. And I and I love how you've you've taken the mental health aspects of of what Psychonauts represents, but you spin it in a way that's humorous. But it's not disrespectful to what mental health means, you know, to just to the overall community. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, kind of bringing this back to the business side, because I'm, I'm just really curious from from a developer, you and I know you're part of Microsoft Game Studios now, but but Xbox Game Pass, this game's going going to be on it day one. From your point of view, what, what do you think this is going to do for the game? And how, how do you think the engagement potentially could look now that it's going to be a part of that subscription service? I think it's really exciting because it's, it's the perfect place for games that Double Fine makes because we make games, we always want to make something new and surprising that almost makes you go like, what? Like when you see the first trailer, you want you to be a little like, what is that? I don't understand anything like it. Like if we don't get a little bit of confusion right off the bat, then I feel like we're not doing our jobs. But that can be a challenge if you're in a retail store and you're holding two boxes that are 60 bucks and one's a sequel to a game you love and one's just like, what? What is this? Like that's a hard choice for a player to make. Uh, but on Game Pass, the game's there and it's just the time it takes to download it, you know? And so I think people are a lot more open to experimenting and trying something that I don't even know what that game looks. I don't even know. Let's try it. Let's try that game. And I think, or for me as a player, I noticed like to finish an epic AAA game and you're done. And then you're like, do I, um, do I, am I ready to jump into another one right now? I want to try, I want to try one of these little weird things that's in between, you know? And so um, a subscription service like that and, you know, and then Game Pass lets you uh, try a whole all different kinds of games like you know they're all different sizes and all different tones and stuff so i think it's really great for our games and helps us reach a, a, a much wider audience really really cool and exciting and sticking with game pass tim you have a lineage of making games you've been around for a long time doing some incredible things with so many talented human beings and when we look at game pass microsoft has really put an emphasis on preserving older games and giving them a boost through certain features of the new generation of consoles. And you have a lot of games that have been made in the past and now people can play. What is your thoughts on game preservation and keeping those games in the past able to play at a moment's notice instead of dragging out the old original Xbox to try to play these games? <laughs> you know, I do have a lot of old retro consoles around my room here, but I, <laughs> I do like uh, I do like playing original hardware, but um, the fact that I can go on my uh, Xbox and play the Lucas Arts Adventures I made in the '90s, you know, like uh, being able to remaster those, first of all, was really great. But then the fact that you can play Full Throttle and Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango on the Xbox is this, and it's so immediate. It's right there. It doesn't really take. I don't have to get out the WD40 and the and get all the blow on the carts and get all all the all that kind of stuff to get it working. It's just there and it, you know, it looks, it looks great. And yeah. And like you mentioned, all the great humans, the talented humans to be able to work with getting them together to record commentary for those, I think is, I think is important because, um, you know, it's one thing to play an old game, but to, to play an old game, but also if you want to see the context for it, like who made that game or who were they, what was the world like when they made it? Like we were able to include a lot of like documentary type things. It's like a rapper. That's the gesture I'm making is the rapper around the game. So you can kind of, um, 
see that game in its context, which I think is is, is important. Yeah. Game preservation. And just the other night, I was up there and I was like, what do I want to play? Am I going to jump into this big game? I ended up playing like Zombies Ate My Neighbors all night, which is like, just to revisit our times at Lucas. And I was like, wow, it's there. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, what? one last well, question for me. No, thank you for that. One of my childhood favorite games ever. Nice. Yeah, I got to name some of the levels in that. It was made like in the next building from where I was when I was at Lucas. I didn't work on it, but they did use uh, Purple Tentacle in it. I think they had a the level. That's awesome. Mars and Cheerleaders was the title suggestion I threw in. That was my suggestion. That's my only part about that game. That is awesome. Now, I, I have one one last question specific for Psychonauts 2. It's it's more of a technical question. Um, we've seen some of the, like it's going to be from, on the Xbox. We've seen on the Series X and the S, it's, it's going to be optimized. Um, on PlayStation, we've seen that uh, PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 is going to be backwards compatible. But my question for you more specifically is, will we see an optimized version of Psychonauts 2 on the PlayStation 5? Right now, we're planning on doing the optimization for Series X and Xbox, focusing on on that. And, and I think as we get close to launch, we'll have more features to announce for that. Okay. That's really Fair what enough. we're focusing on Xbox and PC. Yeah, really cool. No. It was great that Microsoft allowed us to like. We do. Are we also delivering on all the platforms that we promised in our crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, if, if I can side tangent on that, I, I would assume that was something that was very important to you, obviously, because the game started off as a crowdfunded project. Despite yeah. you know it, it going going to Microsoft, I would assume that yeah, you would want to obviously fulfill those commitments. Yeah, we and that's what we were able to do. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, that is really great. That was a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Psychonauts too. A lot of people in our comments section were talking about it being crowdfunded and going to different platforms. So that is really cool. It was a statement piece there, Tim. As we start to segue this conversation, I want to talk to you and about Double Fine and about all of your history in games. And I think a really fun one to talk about is now that you are backed by Microsoft and you have the great stories of talking about that Amnesia Fortnite sessions with your team of creating all these different games, right? And you know it so well of like these small indie studios can be make or break on some titles and you put everything into it and maybe it blows up, maybe it doesn't, or you do smaller titles and try to fund the team through. What is that like now with the backing of Microsoft and Team Xbox? Will you go to that where you look at the team and say, hey, let's break apart and make smaller titles? Or will it be, hey, let's make nothing but big titles from this point forward? Well, I really haven't set any rules for us going forward. I think the our main thing is we follow like our inspiration. So if we have a great idea, like, um, you know, and it was like, I want to make a heavy metal game. Okay, we'll make Brutal Legend. Like, and, and I felt inspired to go back to Psychonauts. That's why we made Psychonauts 2. And, and, um, but we do like to do multiple projects at once and explore, you know, letting pe people like Lee Petty make games like Rad or Headlander or, um, you know, uh, stacking and uh, getting, getting other people's viewpoints, I think, is important. Because we want to make... Um, we have a lot of ideas and we want to, we want them all to come out, you know? And so we do have a thing. Amnesia Fortnite is the name of our game jam that we started in 2007 before there was any other game using the word Fortnite. Let me mention that. Um, <laughs> where we just forgot what we were doing for two weeks and we split the company up and we made small games. And that's where Costume Quest and Stacking and uh, Iron Brigade and Once Upon a Monster came from. And so, um, and this saved us. Like there's certain times where we like, uh oh, our project got canceled. What do we do? We had these demos that we made from this game jam, and it saved the company a few, a more than once, I think. So, um, it's something we want to keep doing because it really inspires the team, and, and it really helps uh, 
new leaders step forward and take take on the role of you know whether it's art directing or programming or running a project so um we are we just did it recently we did a documentary about a lot of the last round of ninja fortnite games and um we'll, we'll do it again in the future and we we'd like to do that documentary i'm glad to hear that you uh all watch that documentary because two-player productions makes that makes that documentary in-house and um it's just always been really important it's like a, it's like a mission i guess for me to pull back the curtain because I feel like there's there's just way too much of a wall between players and developers. Like there's like a a sense that they're different types of people, and they are different. I mean, some people just want to play games; they don't want to make them. But there's a lot of like similarities. People who make games also play games, and they love games. And I think people who play games could make games. But when I was a kid, I didn't know I could. Like I was like, I just play games. I assume they're made by people much smarter than me. And the documentary shows were not that much smarter or any smarter than anybody. But um. If people were interested, they probably could work in games that they want to. So we're just showing, like, I hope we're showing, like, what the jobs are. Oh, there's an art director. There's a there's a tech artist. People maybe didn't know that there's someone who just does rigging for, you know, there are all these different jobs. And we just want to show how that's all put together and how creative people work together. So people who are interested in maybe could think about that as a career. That's really cool. Actually, Mike, I, I want you to continue because I know you had a question about Day of the Devs if you want to jump into that. Oh, I would love You're to talk about Day of the Devs. that fine, fine garment you have on. I'm wearing my shirt. And uh, Tim, I have a lot to ask you about that. And I also want to share my experience. I want to thank Greg Miller for sending me to Day of the Devs. I was down there in San Francisco hosting an esports event. And he said, Oh, since you're down here, you got to go check out Day of the Devs. It's happening today. This is a must do. And I didn't know what that was. I had actually been to very few video game conventions in that matter. And I took a chance and went down with a friend. And Tim, I have to say that is a memorable experience I will never forget. It was so much fun to go down to San Francisco and see this experience. It was such a vibe. It was like, this cool hipster downtown San Francisco vibe where I was like, oh man, I'm around some cool people. This is fun. And what you set up there, and I'll get to the question soon enough, but I wanted to share my experience because I know you'll talk about it, but to be that close to the developers and be able to go hands-on with certain games and talk to them and ask them questions. And for me to share the enthusiasm about their games with them was really, really special and something I'll always remember. And then on top of that, you were showing off Psychonauts 2 and everybody had special headsets on as if it was a silent disco. And I thought that was such a cool look of like, we were all around and everybody was talking, but then there was just a group of people sitting down watching Psychonauts 2. And then to go outside and you had a live concert, they were actually playing the Sayonara Wild Hearts uh, soundtrack and it was something I'll never forget. So for that, Tim, I thank you and the team for creating that and for Greg to put it on. It brings a tear to my eye thinking about how much fun and what an experience that was. And so I wanted to talk about Day of the Devs with you because it is so cool. It is such a special place where you and your team put the spotlight on so many awesome and deserving developers. And so working into that and then working through COVID times, and I got a teaser about you and the gang showing off your incredible backyards this year on Day of the Devs on the virtual stage. So let's start <laughs> off with the beginning of, you know, what was the idea to create Day of the Devs and have that event go live? Well, it's, first of all, it's so great that you enjoyed it so much because I love that. That is like my favorite time event of the year, uh, even though even if it wasn't ours. And just even when the first trailer for it comes out, usually we're with it, you know, because we have a whole um, selection committee that takes in all these submissions from around the world for indie games. 
and then they put them all together in a trailer and like because you work in games for 20 years you can kind of be like ah, i've seen it all blah, blah, blah. and then this trailer comes out and it's like this explosion of ideas and you're like oh my god games are amazing video games can do anything and like i feel so inspired to make video games after i see that trailer and then um well we wanted to um make a you know there, there are all different kinds of shows and some are more you know gdc's for developers and e3's for like publishers and distributors and and paxes for fans but we didn't really have a fan focused event in san francisco that we could go to and we had certain things we wanted to do like we want to make it free and all ages and also you know uh, greg rice who is one of the big proponents of it um founders of it wanted to have it be like feel like a music festival because he loves going to music festivals and feel a little bit more like a celebration in that way not just like a marketing like come see the new demos and buy you know what it's like like be a festival that's why there's a lot of live music and a lot of interesting things like having like alt controller type games like games that you you know you can't really necessarily have a strange way of interacting with it like line wobbler or something that you can't have to play outside there's some kiosks for outside games anyway so just uh it used to be just like Greg going down this list of of games and and curating it and and I I Pit got involved for early days uh, and they've been doing it with us for like nine or ten or a million years and then um, putting on the event um, and having you know uh, all the all the all the uh, event wrangling and merch and stuff so um, now we have a a committee like I was saying of people from across the industry it's very it was important for us to be kind of um, non-denominational as far as platform goes is all platforms and so there's representatives from all different platforms who look at all these games and help pick um, indie games because it was right when it was starting to be that 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 problem where there were so many games like how do you know how does anything stand how does a great game get seen or heard about you know because there are so many new ones being released all the time so that was that was our goal is to like look at the games that we think are the best uh, or or worth worth checking out and pull, and the developers who you'd most like like to meet like all the developers were really great to you know we hang out with them while they're in town and um i've been talking for a long time now but i just very excited whenever i talk about day of the desk because it is a great very positive event and it's very and it's and it's funded it's free because it's funded by sponsors like xbox and various uh, sponsors have you know given money to make it make it happen uh and we want to keep keep it going and it was really sad we couldn't do it in person during the COVID year but there were great um you know, uh, digital versions of it that got wrapped into what Jeff Keighley was doing with Summer Games Fest. And so we reached a lot of people and that might be some part of it going in the future. We want to bring back the physical show, but it was nice to reach a lot of people, you know, over the internet with that too. But I'm glad you liked it. We're going to keep doing it. I loved it, Tim. And please continue to do that. I will always be a big cheerleader and advocate for it now that I've experienced it. And I absolutely love it. So thanks to Paris for giving me that time to talk and ask you about that because it is really cool. And uh, it is something special and it's fun. You actually brought up talking about the, you know, COVID times now and you put it out digitally as part of Summer Games Fest. And it was really cool to be with the kind of funny crew and experience that together, right? Everybody was kind of wowed right off the bat of you. Like I brought up in the backyard and the whole team, I really loved the spotlight of let's get outside. Let's show something else off then my back wall that we've been staring at for a whole year. I really thought that was impactful and nice, but most importantly to show off those games that I think really wowed people. Like you said, I think you see the sea of games, especially during that week, but there were some moments there like music story. I know me and Barrett really loved, and there were some other ones that stop motion game. And there's just ones that will always stand out in front of you. And there's your cat cleaning your desk for you. I didn't say anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I love that. And so I wanted to make sure we talk about day of the devs. Cause that was really, really cool. Segwaying from that. Of course, I want to talk about you 
Tim, in your leadership, right? We talk about Double Fine celebrating 20 years and you have been surrounded by an amazing crew. You've created this really fun atmosphere at the studio and you've been kind of at the head of that along with some others. What has it been like being the leader of a studio like that, feeling that weight of leadership along with making sure it's fun and then also seeing people come and go? What's that like to see people move on to bigger and better things or to stick with you and continue to create awesome stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's been a you know, long, strange trip, as they say. You know, uh, it starts off, you know, really naively. Like, I want to make this game Psychonauts. Who can I call? Hello, Xbox. Like, you know, I didn't really know what was impossible. You know, I've been working for 10 years at Lucas already, but I, uh, I, I, I had this really merciful ignorance about what it would take. So I was like, I guess I can do it. And then, I st- and, it, and, it, and I was lucky enough to have a bunch of people I worked with before at Lucas, like uh, Peter McConnell and Peter Chan and Scott Campbell. And, um, but also uh, to stumble into new people who were just really great. And it was very, you know, real young. We worked in this warehouse that didn't have heat, you know, and like, you know, so it was a really scrappy um, kind of thing. And it starts as me just like, I want to make this game. And then pretty soon you look up and you're like, oh, I have these people to take care of. Like, I have the, you know, like I have to make sure all these people have health. Their health care is based on the fact that we're making this game. Cat? Cat, if you don't, <laughs> if you kick that camera. Okay, you, co- you hold still. You're cool. So, um, <laughs> Cat's like, I'm going to kick the camera. I'm going to kick the camera. Um, so uh, you, you, then you look around you, and it's part of this, you know, you're maturing as a company. It's like, oh, we got to actually think about people and their quality of life and then making sure that they have their families to take care of. And um, so the stakes kind of, the stakes go up. But uh, in the end, you know, the, the, the most important thing for us is always to maintain like what we think is important about having a company, which is uh, besides the quality of life for the employees, but also creativity, like being something that represents a company that represents creativity. So uh the biggest challenge is is being committed to creativity when times are tough and the money is short because that's a it's really tempting to kind of hunker down and just play it safe and like well let's make a game that we think everyone will buy and you know that's i mean you're always trying to make a game people will like and buy but um it 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 seems scarier to do something new and surprising when when you know you don't know when your finances are dependent on it but i feel like um like all the biggest hit games were at uh one point like had that gave you that same what reaction like the first like the, the first time people saw minecraft or something like that they're probably like that what huh you know like they're all very um uh experimental you know and grand theft auto or something like that first came around they're all you know broke uh broke the mold kind of you know so i feel like playing it safe is not any safer like there's a lot of if you look at the bottom of the sales charts there are about a bunch of games that look like everybody else's games you know it's not it doesn't it's not some guaranteed success so you might as well kind of go for the fences and, and 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 just make something worth playing you know make something that people haven't seen before and um you, it feels like you're risking it all but it's really to me the thing that makes it worthwhile so i'm just really lucky that a lot of people have stuck around at the company even though even you know shooting for the moon every time you know they, they're willing to take that that ride with us um and i was happy that microsoft saw value in it and uh brought us in to have a safe like you know, less uh, stressful uh, launching pad for that moonshot. Hey, I brought it back. Look at that. Yeah. Finish that off. Nice. Well, it, it's, I, I recommend everyone 
go to the Double Fine YouTube channel because because I love how you've kind of chronicled a lot of the things that you're talking about right now. You've talked about in those series of videos, and and it's it's been very fascinating for me to to watch and kind of understand the struggles of game development. And you mentioned obviously you you've joined Microsoft Game Studios, which taken some of the stress off, but. I, 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 we talk about this on the show all the time when we, we look at indie games and double A games. It's that's you kind of have to take risks to stand out from the crowd, but that same risk that could potentially tank the company. You know, we, we've seen other games in the past where they've tried to do something unique. It didn't potentially catch on, you know, with the overall community. And then that studio goes away. So I look at what you've done with Double Fine, you know, over, over these past years and, and the games that, you know, have come out of this. And obviously even right now with, with Psychonauts 2, which is about to launch. And I mean, I, I, I just give credit to you for taking those risks when you did. And obviously you, you built the studio and you've made it what, what it's become. And, you know, I hope like with the Day of the Devs and everything else that that inspires more people to want to go out here and make, make these games. Because again, I'll even say with Day of the Devs, it's like, game that's coming out as we're recording this right now is death's door that's the first time i saw it and i instantly got super excited about it and yeah. we see today all the amazing scores two people made that game which just just blows my mind but um again just just credit to you double fine and just just everything that you've built so far and you know like i said before really excited for psychonauts too that's so great that's so awesome yeah i uh exactly i mean i just want to um say i 100 agree and thank you for all the nice things you said <laughs> heck yeah well i want to end on a positive note i i have three questions but i'm going to take it down to two tim so let's end this fun time with you with two fun ones first one i want to know tim i'm reading the about page on double fine productions i'm getting to know the leader the head honcho and there's a part about a two-day stint at a turkey ranch and i want to pretend as if all of a sudden variant tim showed up you're the turkey rancher. What was that looking like? And what was that like compared to your other jobs that you've talked about before? What was the turkey ranch like? That was one of our local industries in Sonoma where I grew up was this turkey ranch that a lot of the young kids eventually worked at for a stint while they, they grew up in the town. And I was uh, I was hoping to work at this record store. It was a summer job in between, like, you know, and I was like, oh, I really want to work at this record store. This, this would be amazing. But uh, I'll put it and they hadn't gotten back to me. So I I went to work at the turkey farm. I had to wear a hairnet. You know, I was wearing like a bodysuit. There was a lot of I had to, my job was to clean out the like the what's left behind when the eggs don't hatch that well out of the trays, out of the hatching trays. There's some there's some business that goes on that you don't want to think about when you're eating turkey that, you know, it's life is not pretty, you know. So it was a day of, you know, uh, it was it was hard work. And I met a lot of, you know, cool people there. And then I heard from the record store and I was like, yeah, I think I'll take that. I think I'll take that job. I think that's good. So, um, I mean, it's hard work. It made me really appreciate the hard work people go through to make sure you have turkey to eat. That's for sure. <laughs> like that. That's a great story. I think it's one of those. It's really cool to see you talk about the previous jobs with your team and where you are today and that message of inspiration. You can do anything through hard work and, of course, always having fun. So that was really, really cool. And I liked that. I, I want to finish my parts and I'll leave a final question up to Paris if you'd like. But if you take a look at the uh, view stream right now, I'm going to have our good friend Baird, who is producing the show, bring up a double fine logo. And Tim, it's been 20 years. I love that you guys have this incredible mascot, the two-headed baby. The logo is so pronounced. Everybody knows it. But the coolest part is you always throw it out with some different themes. So I have Tim here, Tim Schaefer, the man. I had to ask you, 
What is your favorite themed double-headed oh. baby? Oh man, we're looking at a lot of them right now. Look at that. I, you know, I love the original one just because that was, you know, us just starting out and Scott Campbell drawing double everything. Double, I love, oh, the Halloween one is great, but the metal one. Look, I have this. This will, so you can see, I have a coaster of that guy and it's a little wiggly. Regular hair. Regular hair. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Mark Hamer uh, drew that. Um, you know, it goes all the way back to LucasArts. If you played old LucasArts games, the little gold guy, do you remember the little uh, yep. like TIE fighter or something like that? The little gold guy would have a lightsaber and like fight off the TIE fighters. And, you know, on Grim Fandango, uh, it turned into a skeleton version of the little gold guy. And uh, it's just it's just like these little touches that I think I feel like in the first few seconds of the game starting out, there is this moment to be like, hey, we're going to we're going to have some fun. You know, like the game's just starting, but we're like, we're going to we're going to have a good time with this game. This is going to we're going to do some special stuff. Like some people told me just the installer, like the installer for Grim Fandango, when you um, press the button to install it, it makes a little sound from a charanga, which is like a Mexican folk instrument made out of an armadillo that you just and it's just it's just like a little a little touch of just like this game's not going to be exactly like every game that you played. We're going to have uh, we're going to do some special stuff. So I feel like that's how you you get a hold of the player early on to let them know that you're, you're in for surprises. I love that. Paris, I'll leave it with you if you want to ask any final questions before we say goodbye. Well, apparently my dog has a question, so I'll try and interpret that. <laughs> oh, pets. <laughs> um, actually, my, my final question, I will go back to Psychonauts 2 and say next month when everyone gets their hands on this, what is the thing that you want people to take away from the game? I mean, uh, that's, there's so many things. I just I want them to uh, to get lost in the world of Psychonauts and really uh, have fun. I mean, for all we talk about all these deep issues that are in Psychonauts, but it really is a very just fun, physical, platforming type game with puzzles and, and laughs. I hope people find all the jokes funny, even as they're surrounded by horrible visions of teeth and uh, <laughs> things like that. And um uh, I just want to say thank you to all the backers who remember the first game and back the made the second game possible before we had our um, our big powerful partners in Xbox. But uh, it's been a long time, and I hope people feel like it's worth the wait. I definitely think it was myself. But um, thanks for playing in advance. That's awesome. Well, with that, Tim, we're gonna say goodbye. This has been Tim Schaefer, one of the raddest dudes in video games, joining us from Double Fine Productions. Tim. One final one. Thanks for inspiring the fun in all of us. Oh, really thanks for having me. It's really nice. Thanks for all the things you said. It's really, um, it's great being here. With that, we're going to say goodbye. And that will be the end of our fun Psychonauts 2 uh, interview, interview and episode. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you're looking forward to the fun later in the month of August. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody.